Unstoppable Success Radio, episode 225. I'm Kelly Roach, and you are listening to Unstoppable Success Radio, the podcast for achievers, believers, dreamers, and doers who want to build a profitable, sustainable business around a life of purpose, fulfillment, freedom, and family. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am thrilled to be here today with our special guest, Hillary Hendershot. Hillary is the founder of Hillary Hendershot Wealth Management, the leading financial advisory firm for women and the host of Profit Boss Radio, a weekly podcast where Hillary and her guests offer actionable advice inspiration, and authentic stories to support women on their financial journey. Hillary has an MBA, she's a certified financial planner, she's a TEDx speaker, and she's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, NBC, ABC, Fox, Daily Worth, Forbes, and Investopedia. With more than 30 television appearances, she's the go-to personal finance expert in Silicon Valley for the NBC Evening News, where they call her the investor's voice of reason. Hillary, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kelly. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, let's dive right in here. You know, we all have a never-ending process of improving our ability to create wealth and, you know, make good decisions about money. And we're all on this lifelong journey of trying to build the best future for ourselves and our family. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I would love if you would just kind of begin the, the setting, but kind of set the table for us, Hillary. How did you end up getting into the psychology of money and behavioral finance? What led you to this point? Uh, my own my own financial failures, actually. I graduated uh, from college with a degree in economics. I pretty quickly got my um, certified financial planner designation, and I do have a head for numbers. And I'm, I'm lucky I got to start my professional role in my family firm, which was a successful financial planning firm. So here I am in my late 20s, and I'm working with millionaires and multimillionaires during the day, and I'm going home to a stack of bills that I won't open because I can't pay them. And I was an overspender. I had a good income. I just, whatever I earned, I spent that plus 25%. And I I got myself into a situa- situation because of the financial crisis where things really did come to a head. And I really had to take a look at myself and the direction my life was going and really admit I have good intentions. I had good plans, but I wasn't executing on them. And, and I said to myself, this isn't how my life is going to go. And I'm going to figure out why why it is like this for me. And I became, I read everything that I could on money psychology and behavioral finance. And what I learned really is that we are all sort of imprinted with this, what I call a money operating system. We all have superstitions about money. We make things up as children about money because money is entirely conceptual. Human beings made it up. It's not real, right? It's just a conversation. Some people say it's just energy. I say it's just a conversation. Um, all money is, is a promise delivered in, in units that you can exchange for something you value later. It's a solution for what economists call the, the, uh, the, the, 
coincidence of double wants. If I'm bartering with you and I want your cows, I have to have something that you want like chickens. If I don't have chickens and you want chickens, I can't have your cows. It's a problem. Um, and so economists solve that problem with money, but then human beings got crazy about it. So we make up, we make things up about it. And I got imprinted with a pretty common one, which is there's never enough money. And, uh, you know, that wasn't actually true. Although, I mean, there, uh, there were a lot of things I wanted in my childhood that I didn't get, but it was because my mom was an average earner and an excellent saver, right? We were just really, we were like, I mean, the same, the same idea as the millionaire next door. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but, but because I couldn't have brand name tennis shoes uh, and I w- wanted to play on the high school basketball team, uh, that really didn't work for me. So in order to manifest, there's, there's never enough money when you have, you know, a six figure salary, you, you just spend it all. And that's really counterintuitive to people. Um, but, but your, your mind, and I'm sure you and your coaching business spend a lot of time talking and thinking and writing and publishing about this, your mind manifests what it believes. And if I believe there's never enough money, by gosh, I'm going to manifest that. And, and that's what I did. And I had the opportunity to, to stop that behavior that, that is financially destructive behavior and, and to turn it around. And now, you know, it used to be that every time I looked in my bank account, there would be less money than I thought there would be. And now there's, there's more. And, and that's, I mean, there's like more than I thought there would be. And that's a happy, a happy switch. And I've, I've rebuilt my retirement savings. I have a seven figure net worth. I have a thriving business and, and I teach these skills to people. And I, what I really think I'm really, I'm an evidence-based optimist. And I, I think anyone can have the wealth that they want and in fact deserve. Yes. And I believe the same. And I love that you were so open to share your story from, you know, where you came from and where you started with money and then how you turned kind of that wound and that hurt into this crucial, you know, lifetime opportunity of not only, you know, for you yourself rewriting your money story, but then also helping so many other people to do the same. So I know there are tons of people listening that know and understand full well that they have uh, what I would like to call a negative money cycle um, where they, they create the same patterns, they live the same belief system, they have a feeling of lack, um, they, they never really believe that they're going to make it to that million dollar mark as far as their net worth. So how do you help people? Where would you take our listeners to really give them some actionable thought processes, steps to take, whatever the case, to first start with the mindset work that needs mm. to be done. And then in the second half of the interview, we can talk a little bit more about actual financial strategies. But I, like you, Hillary, believe that the mindset really is the, the beginning and end of everything. If you don't have that right, there's no point in us talking about you know, the strategy piece of things. Right. Well, that's the master command center, right? You're not going to do anything that your mind doesn't allow you to do or want you to do or strategize that you, you're going to do. Um, so the first thing is, let's talk about these destructive beliefs. And there are a lot of people who believe that you have to turn a destructive belief upside down or you have to do, um, uh, what's what, not manifestations, but re- when you say things to yourself in the mirror. Um, and, and, uh, and I had a guest on my show actually that said that actually, Actually, those kinds of affirmations, that's the word, um, uh, create lack and, and, and rigidity in your life. I'm, I, I don't know about that. I know that affirmations never worked for me personally. Um, I personally, what worked for me was taking the mindset, setting it aside. I'm not going to go through this. I'm not going to turn it upside down. I'm not going to 
flip the switch off. I'm actually just going to focus on something else. So for me, um, I had a whole bunch of, if I was honest with myself, I had a whole bunch of priorities in my life at the time I had created this financial destruction and, and none of them was wealth building. I actually thought that being rich, I really wanted to be perceived as wealthy. I thought, well, this is another money operating system. I thought wealth demonstrated my value in the, in, in the world. And so, in order to have value, people had to think I was rich. In order for people to think I was rich, I had to spend a lot of money. I thought being rich was about spending money. Turns out it's about keeping money. (laughs) So uh, I had a priority to make people think I was rich. I had a priority to live comfortably. You know, I wanted to spend money when I wanted to spend money. I didn't want to deny myself anything. One of my priorities was not having a positive net worth. So I consciously set all those priorities aside, I mean, and, and, and had to let those go and take on the priority of wealth building. And for me at that time, it meant letting go of the things like the BMW that I had bought, you know, borrowed money to own and, 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 and paying off the credit cards. And that meant not spending in the moment on things that I wanted. Um, I created a system of financial automation. I don't actually believe in budgeting. I think if budgeting works for you, that's great. For most people, what it is is an exercise in um, logging every transaction that you make. And and it, the minute you stop doing it, you're behind because you can't just pick up where you left off. And it ultimately becomes something for most people that just disempowers them and something else for them to feel bad about themselves about. I created a system of multiple multiple accounts. So I gave myself a spending allowance. I put that spending allowance in one account. I refilled that account every two weeks and I could spend everything in that account in one day, as long as I was prepared to eat beans out of the pantry for the rest of the days. (laughs) And in that way I could have small luxuries and that really, because, um, budgeting, like, a healthy spend, a healthy financial life is really about understanding opportunities and trade-offs. And most people can't understand in the moment. I'm standing at the counter at Nordstrom. I want this $250 purse. I don't have any way to get to to measure to really wrap my brain around what it's costing me in the long run. That $250 today costs me $2,500 in 20 years or something like that, right? Um, and I can't I can't absorb that. I can't wrap my brain around. It. So what I did is I created a plan that had me first in, in the very beginning paying off the debt first. So there's that, that phrase, uh, pay yourself first. I, I paid off. I had to pay off the debt first. Um, and so first it would go to pay off the debt. Then I would pay my, you know, my rent and all my, I lowered all of those. And then, and then spending was last. And that is a reversal of fortune for most people. Most people spend first and save what's last. And that really is a recipe for disaster. Um, so the automation system, which I do teach, but you, you know, you could create it on your own. I use a system of multiple accounts and that really works. My clients who are paying off tens of thousands of dollars of debt swear by it. And my clients who have multi-million dollars swear by it. Um, and, um, and, and you want to surround yourself with people who are committed to your success. I recommend either a coach or a wealth mastermind. You could gather, you know, for most women, and I know that you know this is true, Kelly, we don't talk about money. We're more likely to talk about sex than we are to talk about money. And, you know, I've spoken with someone who said she shared with her best friend how much money she was making at a corporate job because she felt that she really deserved more. And it actually happened to be twice the amount that her friend was making. And she said her friend got so angry 
angry at her that they almost lost the friendship. Her friend had all these preconceived notions about women don't talk about money. Good girls don't do that. You know, and those are all um, kind of the myths that we really need to bust up as women because they keep us disempowered and they keep us small. So find someone or someones that you can talk with about money. Don't take financial advice from your friends who are also broke. Yeah. It makes yeah. no sense, right? Um, and and you want to become you want to become an evidence based person about your money. Well, someone says do X. Well, why? What are the results I'm going to produce if I do X? What results did you produce? What do the experts say? Right? Don't just do what your as usually your brother brother uncle father grandfather some older man in your life giving you advice. Um, and you want to become some you, you want to surround yourself with people you know are experts. There's that also that saying, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Uh, that I think it's true with money, um, consciously or subconsciously. If you're hanging out with your broke girlfriends, you either won't have the skill set or the, you won't give yourself permission to really get ahead. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And I think all of these points that you're making are so important. And you know, we have to talk about these things over and over again because. For whatever reason, although it's one of the most important things, you know, you go through what, you know, 13 years of education and none of this is ingrained in your belief system, your mindset or your way of doing things. And so um, I think the work that you're doing is so important, Hillary, because I don't know why our education hasn't caught up with the reality of, you know, these these important life skills that people need to have. But Going back to what you said there, one of the things that me and my husband did a long time ago, way before we were even married, was we started, we, we decided on our monthly, you know, savings goal that we were going to stick to and we automated that and and committed to that and, and committed to that happening no matter what and then everything else following that. And I think it can be as simple as starting with that commitment. Um, like, you know, obviously for everybody listening, each person that's tuning in today is in a different place financially. Some have credit card debt, some have no credit card debt, but, you know, want to pay off their home and others are in a really good position, but, you know, want to achieve more. I think either starting to have that set goal each month that you're going to pay yourself first or expanding it to the level that will get you, okay, I need to put away X amount each month in order to get to where I want to be five years from now, which kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted to spend some time on with you, Hillary, is, you know, learning the skill set that will allow you to increase your earning potential. You know, mm -hmm. obviously I've dedicated my life to doing business growth strategy and helping entrepreneur to build their business because I believe that empowering people to increase their earning potential is, you know, one of the keys to a happy, successful life. What do you see when you look across the board at your clients that are most successful building significant net worth what are some of the skill sets that they have in common and or maybe ways of being, ways of using their time, their talent, et cetera, um, that they all have in common? Because we know that successful people invest in themselves. Um, many self-made millionaires, uh -huh. I think it's like 80% or more, are, are small business owners. So tell me a little bit about the trends you see with your clientele. 
So first of all, before before we even go into that, I think what you just said that you and your husband decided to save a set amount of dollars each month, that is I I think you're taking for granted how huge that is. That there that there are so many people out there that especially women that don't do that and they look at their money and it's all accounted for and they've made all these promises to spend 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 and they look at their money and they say there's not there's nothing to save. And the hard part is really remaking those promises. You and your husband put yourself in a good position because you only saw the dollars that were left over. You're not taking on too much spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the people that I coach end up having, I mean, I hate to say it. I don't hate to say it because I love it when they do it. They move. <laughs> they find a place mm-hmm. to live that costs half as much. They sell the car that they you know, borrowed money to buy and they pay cash for something because those monthly expenditures are really a killer. So, um, and yeah, I mean, earning earning a high income is is key. Now, you can become the millionaire next door on an average income. Mm-hmm. It just it it maybe won't be a life of luxury, et cetera, et cetera. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think but you and I both think, "Hey, it's com- completely possible to get to a high income. Why not do it?" Um so a lot of the research that we have on the wealthy, there was a gentleman whose name I can't remember right now, but he did he wrote a book where he interviewed a thousand millionaires or something like that. And he looked at it and he really thought that the the key to success was going to be some tactic or strategy. And he said, you know, I, I have to be really honest. What I've learned here is that the, um, the, the, the core predictor of success is what he called a nexus of control. And what that is, is the person takes responsibility for their results. They're not playing victim to the world. They look at their life and they say either that was, you know, that was something, if something bad happened to them, like, look, uh, I I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want that person to rob me, or I didn't want that person to take advantage of me financially, but I can see that it was an opportunity for me to learn. Um, and, and they look at, they look at any losses or mistakes and say, yeah, I can, I can look, I can look at that as a learning opportunity. They also take responsibility for either learning or hiring out the skill sets of investment and financial management. So, so he called it a nexus of control. I just call it taking responsibility for your results. But And that's conceptual, right? But it really does come first and it goes hand in hand with that money psychology bit. Um, you want to master what you say about money. So you want to have empowered language. And, and this is actually tricky for people because as women, we don't talk about money very much. And when we do, we don't realize the person you talk to most about money is probably either yourself or your spouse, Um, but almost always yourself the most. And so we maybe don't pay attention to what we say to ourselves. You want to stop saying things like, I can't afford that. Uh, What you're saying when you say, I can't afford that, is that money is more powerful than you. Um, The truth is you can have money. Wealth is infinite. I I mean, I don't know if you've turned on the news lately, but they're not stopping printing dollars anytime soon. The banks make money all day long, every day, five days a week, sometimes six. Um, And and you can have as much wealth um, in the world as you can invite into your ecosystem. So so I invite you to, to replace the phrase, I can't afford that with, um, uh, let me see what I can do to fit that in my spending plan. Or let me see how I'm going to figure out how I can work that out. Or, you know, if you don't want to buy it, just be straight. Say, I'm not going to put that in my spending plan. I'm just not committed to buying that. Um, just take responsibility for, you know, what you say and think about money. Or, um, uh, another one is, um, 
I don't deserve to be rich. Like I'm not, I, 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 I have a hard time, um, owning my value. Now, first of all, I, I don't, I, I hate that this phraseology is actually even in the lexicon for women because you don't have a value. You, you weren't born with a dollar sign on your head. I mean, if you ask sort of the, 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 the court system, there's like, like a dollar value that a human life tends to go for. But I mean, that's kind of a sick and twisted way to look at how much you're worth. You don't, there's not like, you, I can't carve you open and see a dollar sign in there. The, the, mon- the, the, the money that you earn in the world is a measure, uh, an, an insufficient, incomplete measure, but it is a measure of the value you produce in the world. And your value, if you're doing business one-on-one, is decided between you and that one person. And so if you want more money, figure out a way to produce more value for people. Figure out what your customers are buying. Figure out how, how, what what managers are hiring. You know, If you give up that mindset and come at it from how can I – how can I produce the amount of income that my family needs to live well today and tomorrow? There's an inquiry worth participating in, right? This, I don't know if I have value or this conversation is not, it's a dead end. It's not going to get you anywhere. So I invite you to replace um, disempowered mindsets, not with affirmations. Let's start with questions. How can I earn more money? How can I double my income? How can I learn to save more? What are the skill sets I need to know in order to invest successfully? Things like that. So start with questions. Um, Am am I kind of going off? (laughs) No, 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 no. It's it's perfect. So basically what you're saying is, is start with asking yourself some better questions about money and let your brain start to seek answers to those questions versus the answers to questions that maybe you have been saying or phrases you have been saying, I can't afford it, or I'm never going to be able to achieve that, or, you know, just isn't in the cards for me or whatever it is. If you start asking yourself, how can I double my income? How can I be able to afford this? How can I learn the skills needed to be able to earn the amount of dollars that I believe my time is worth? Who around me is doing that? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Be impeccable with your word about money. Don't allow, you have to start disallowing the those disempowered statements, assertions, and mindsets. Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. So let's circle back to some of those uh, behaviors. I mean, obviously, you know, for all of us, you you have to to save more than you spend in order to grow your net worth. But we talked about the automated savings plan, which I definitely think is absolutely huge. And, And I would even say, you know, if you look at the span of your lifetime, even if you don't have very much to save on a monthly basis, if you save something, anything over the span of your entire working career, um, you can get yourself into a very healthy financial position, especially if you don't spend money on, you know, things that you're going to later regret. What are some of the other like top key things that you would say, boom, 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 these are two or three things I would absolutely recommend um, for people that are just looking to build some better money habits, you know, looking to increase their net worth. So, sorry, sometimes my brain goes faster than my my, my mouth. Um, uh, so I would say most of the people listening to your show are entrepreneurs or business owners. Yes. Are they? Yes, they are. So if you, so the, the top thing you want to do, 
make it your goal to maximize your tax deductible savings each year. Now, you probably have international listeners, and I, I'm sorry, but I don't have occasion to know your system. But in the United States, the best tax benefit Congress gives you is these tax deductible retirement savings accounts. Take advantage of those. There's two tax major tax benefits. One is these um, retirement savings accounts. Two is really the mortgage interest deduction. So number one, you want to make sure you're maximizing that. Um, uh, most tax planners will recommend you to what's called a SEP or a Simplified Employee Pension. A SEP allows you to contribute 25% of your company profits to that account each year. Now, most tax planners don't know about an account called the Solo 401k. Um, if you own an S Corp or a C Corp, you can open a Solo 401k or a Solo K. And if you're under the age of 50, you can deduct $18,500 in 2016. If you're over the age of 50, it's $23,000 because you get that catch-up contribution. Tax deductible contributions to a retirement account um, are like free money. Um, I mean, in the state of California, it's like adding another 30% to your money. And that those returns compound and compound and you have essentially free money earning free money on free money. It's huge. And so you want to make sure that you are maximizing that uh, deduction. How, which account is right for you really is a question for either your uh, custodian, financial advisor, or tax preparer. I'm sorry, but I can't give you a hard and fast rule, but it is worth looking into, say, to someone, a professional. Look, look. let's look at the SEP. Let's look at the solo 401k. Which one is better for me? If not, of those work for you, I would definitely go for a Roth IRA. Um, a Roth IRA is going to be good for you if your tax rate is high in retirement and, um, and you can deduct up to $6,500 into that Roth IRA in 2016. So if you can maximize your, I'm not sure if this episode will air in 2016, but you have the opportunity to actually fill those accounts. Um, in the case of the Roth, you can fill it all the way up to when you file your taxes in 2017. So you have, you have, you have, you have, uh, you know, time. Yeah. Uh, perfect. And I, I mean, th these are the things that people don't realize is, <clears throat> you know, the way that our tax laws are set up, if you're an employee, you know, your taxes get taken, you know, and, and then you get what, what comes after that. You're an entrepreneur. You get to decide what to do with all of that money, where it goes, what column it falls into, um, what deductions you take, what category you put it in, and then pay tax on what's left over. And I think that that's a great point, Hillary, um, for anybody that's in an you know entrepreneur or even if you're an employee, starting a side business is an excellent way to get huge, you know, tax write-offs um, on, you know, things that you already paid taxes on as an employee and then you can circle back and, and write against that um, as an entrepreneur. So that's that's a great piece of advice for everybody listening. Yeah. Let me circle back just because I was incorrect. I Googled it here. The 401k contribution limits in 2016 are 18,000 if you're under 50 and 24,000 if you're over 50. I apologize for my error there. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I try not to say it in mixed company, but now that I'm a business owner, I would never go back. The tax benefits are so huge. Um, you just have so much freedom and control as it regards um, travel. I mean, because literally you are the main asset of your business until you build out, I mean, unless you build a factory or something. Um, but, but almost everything you do is a tax deduction and right. it's, it's nice. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. And everyone has the freedom to choose to take 
total accountability for their financial life and start a business as an entrepreneur. Even if you want to become a network marketer and only spend an hour a week building your business, you are still then an entrepreneur and you still have the opportunity to tap into those same tax savings that are available to all entrepreneurs. Yeah, you know, those organizations are really great if uh, it, because they've created the product. All you have to do is sell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in most product businesses, Businesses, distribution is the real hump that people have to get over. But you, you know, you have these organizations that have these really amazing products. Why not just pick one of those up and sell it if you just want a part-time side hustle? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, what are some of the the key thoughts that you would leave our Unstoppable Success Army thinking about or focused on as we wrap up our time together here today, Hillary? I would say take this time. Most of you wake up into uh, a plan and strategy that you created your, for yourself before today. It's a it's a plan and strategy that you inherited. It came maybe consciously, but probably unconsciously. And I would say you have this opportunity now to say, this is a stopping point. What am I really, if I look at my behavior, what am I actually committed to? What am I actually producing? And if you are spending more than you make, um, you you have a short-sighted plan. You're just not prioritizing wealth building, and that really is one of the seven, one of the habits of the ultra wealthy. You've got to put wealth building. Now, it doesn't have to be top of your in your life, right? But you have areas of life, and in the financial area of your life, you want wealth building to be your priority. You want to surround yourself with people who support that. Find coaches, find advisors, find a wealth mastermind, and and ask yourself, what are the actions that I need to take now? in order to be increasing my net worth every single day. Perfect. I love it. And as an entrepreneur, getting better at your skill set, getting better at your your trade, your craft, um, learning sales and marketing, these are all key levers to very easily build your wealth and, and grow your income um, without having to, you know, cut yourself off from the things that you enjoy in life and not spend money doing the things or having the things that you really um, desire. So Hillary, thank you so much for all the value that you added today. What is the best place for people to learn more about you, get their hands on maybe some free resources that you have available? Sure, absolutely. So um, after you've listened to Unstoppable Success Radio, if you have room in your podcast lineup and you are interested in the topics and tactics of wealth building, come on over to Profit Boss Radio. It's just right there in your podcast app. Check it out, Profit Boss Radio. I have a weekly show for you, often interviews, um, about half the time I do solo episodes, all designed as your wealth mastermind to as a weekly check-in to have you remind yourself of your plan for wealth building and get the support and uh, friendship and, and resources that you need. Thanks so much for all the great value that you brought today, Hillary, and the great tips for all of our listeners. Really enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. And if you're not already a member of my private email community, I want you to text the word IGNITE to 44222. Text the word IGNITE to 44222 to get all the resources, trainings, swipe files, and tips I only share there. If you're not already a member, all you have to do is text IGNITE to 44222 to get in on all the action. Thanks so much.